You're listening to Adjuster Talk with Jason Heenan. I've had this theory, like you can go to college for four years and get yourself a degree and you get yourself a job and you might get yourself a six-figure job or whatever. But if you put your mind to becoming an adjuster and just start getting after it, like what does it take to to become an adjuster? You just decide, that's what I'm going to do. He just decided that's what he was going to do. And he just did it. And that was, he stuck with it. Welcome to Adjuster Talk, your go-to podcast for all things insurance adjusting by Jason Heenan of Royal Adjusting Services, a leader in the U.S. claims adjusting landscape. We're here to delve into the dynamic world of independent adjusters and share insights and industry trends that matter to aspiring and seasoned insurance adjusters. At Royal, we handle the full spectrum of claims and catastrophes, specializing in residential property claims. Our mission? To provide a better, faster, more cost-effective claims experience, improving outcomes one customer at a time. So whether you're an independent adjuster looking to join a leading team or an insurance agency seeking unparalleled service, Adjuster Talk is your window into professional claims adjusting. All right, here we go with another episode of Adjuster Talk. I am your host, Jason Heenan, and a man who needs no great introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and give him the best one I can anyway. We have a world traveler. He has traveled to over 35 countries and lived in seven. This is a young man as well, which is important to know. A Finnish immigrant who was once deported from the United States, and I'm sure we'll get that good story in a minute. Avid reader and meditator. He's on a course to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing and has inspiration someday of going back to an Ivy League school to get his PhD in psychology after achieving his primary goal of financial freedom. I bring you Ansi Viljanen. What's up, Ansi? Hey, thank you for the intro. I'm doing great. Just another day of running claims for me. Ansi, that answers the where. That brings up the where are you right now? I'm in my house in Altadena, which is right up above Pasadena in California. I'm in my office where I can see the Angelino Mountains. It's a beautiful sunny day here. Man, that is good to know. I guess it is the end of August, so we have hurricane season coming up. What do you think about that? You know what? That's one of those things that I'm trying to decide in my mind whether I care or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to not care. Yeah, no, I, mean, I hear you because myself. it's incredibly fortunate because I run claims throughout the whole year. I get to have that set up where I get to sleep in my own proverbial bed. It's not even proverbial, but is it? I get to sleep in my own bed, which beats the Best Westerns and Double Trees over there. Still get to enjoy the independent adjusting lifestyle. So yeah, they got to pay me pretty good before they get me out for a hurricane. So how's business then? Business is good, man. Any, when I look at, look back any 12 month period, I have about 700 claims behind me uh, if I look 12 months back at any given point. So that's a heavy workload. Congratulations on your business success, Andy. Yeah. Thanks. You know what? It's actually funny because 700 claims in a year sounds like a lot, but it all it really, it breaks down to about 40 hour work week. 
That's what the good guys on my, on my staff make routine. And I think yeah. you're absolutely right if you manage your time. The guys in Houston, they have to work a little bit harder to do those kind of numbers. There shouldn't be too much different traffic to where you live. Yeah, no, traffic here is horrible. And I just, the way I resolve that is by, I have a driver assistant who makes my phone calls, does all the driving, does my ITEL samples. So yeah, if I was driving myself, the way so that I would makes have, business sense. Oh yeah, absolutely makes business sense. Yeah, I yeah don't be an independent adjuster in LA without a driver. Man, that is crazy. No yeah. way, no way. Yesterday, because I, I had only one claim, and I was like, maybe I'll be able to drive that myself. The single claim over in Tehachapi, which is right south of Bakersfield. So if I go there from Pasadena, that's two hundred and thirty miles round trip, and I was like. I was wasted by the end of the day. Was, I was like, man, I am not cut out for driving anymore. Because <laughs> usually I just hammer out the claims while somebody else is driving. Man. But yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of area we, we sometimes, even in LA, we might still cover I, I might still drive fifty miles out. So catch us up then. That sounds that sounds like a pretty good overview of what your daily life is like. Fill in the gap between beginning of our relationship or I should say the end of our relationship, probably at the beginning of 2018. It's been... You know, just- yeah, I guess end of 2007, something like that, is when I left Hurricane Harvey. We got hooked up with Worley, with Robert Moran, who's been a guest on the show as well. Yeah, he's and, got two uh, shout-outs in the last two weeks. Shout-out, Moran. Way to go. Eh, yeah. So you go. Maybe, that, maybe a little, little a beginner's trip tip over there. I just asked, hey, would you throw me a couple claims? Let's see how I do. I did not ask for a job. I did not ask to be a permanent independent adjuster in LA or whatever. I just say, hey, let's see how I do. He sent me a couple claims and hasn't stopped me, hasn't stopped sending me claims since. So that's usually the way to get in. You captured that opportunity right there, didn't you? What's that? I said, you captured that opportunity on first trance, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I did. I did. And just tried to do the best that I could. And thanks to the experience I got with you. I was able to capitalize on that. I appreciate the shout out. I think you would have made it anywhere. You're just one of those guys that thinks about what you're doing and is always looking forward, it sounds like. Yeah, I try. I try. But yeah, no, it's no joke though. Come in, say you got into the daily business. It's one thing to go into a Harvey or whatever where every claim is basically the same thing. But then running daily claims and having your kitchens and your theft claims or whatever electrical fires be thrown into that like immediately that's no joke those are the perils that slow you down and the bog you up and that's where you really earn your money at is a theft where you have a customer or a policyholder who doesn't cooperate with you man that's those, that's a tough claim to close yeah so to say that would i have made it anyway no i don't think i would have made it without the expense okay <laughs> you appreciate if I just, just jumped into the daily claims no way man you appreciate what I'm saying, though. You, yeah, were, you were changing at the time and for the better and had a goal and used Royal to springboard you onto that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I definitely appreciate that. Since I think that the the major points were just getting my first daily claims, then at some point understanding the value of having a driver slash assistant. So I've been working with an assistant probably for oh, over a year almost, I want to say. Yeah, it was probably last year, maybe July, that something like that, when I got my first assistant. 
And then I had a great dude, Matt Levich, who came on as an apprentice. He's a, his passion is photographer, photography. And he had heard about independent adjusting and we had sold solar panels together back in the days. And we're just having one of those chats. He was like, you're in an independent adjuster. I first heard about this like 15 years ago. Like, why don't you tell me more about it? <laughs> and then he would agree, why don't you come and drive me and take a look what the what it's all about? And he came on. I had him as a driver probably four or five months. He saw probably, what, three, close to 300 claims during that time. And then at the same time, he was plucking away with understanding Xactimate and all that. So once you know how to investigate your loss, which now he had seen 300 claims, so it's nothing crazy to inve- for him to investigate a loss now. And then he actually gets that, that meat on the bones where he can actually communicate to Xactimate. Proud to say that he made it into the industry himself as well and actually started as a daily adjuster over here in LA, which I've been super happy about. And, and sure, I lost in the system, but what do I care? I'm super happy to oh have Oh my gosh, you have- helped that guy. That's a major thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So just cool. Excited for him and his prospects of maybe becoming a storm chaser at one point. And that way he'll have more time for his true passion, which is photography. And man, that guy's photography is something else. Man, that's great. I think, I mean, you have discussed him getting a shot at the show. I th- he's the type of story the listener likes to hear because I think everyone including the audience here would probably call themselves opportunist opportunist or opportunistic. And what Matt, it sounds like done or accomplished with you is pretty, pretty savory story where you get on. Yeah. And like, that's what that story represents to me is that kind of like I've had this theory, like you can go to college for four years and get yourself a degree and you get yourself a job and you might get yourself a six figure job or whatever. But if you put your mind to becoming an adjuster and just start getting after it, like what does it take to to become an adjuster? You just decide, that's what I'm going to do. He just decided that's what he's, he was going to do. And he just did it. And that was, he's stuck with it. It was financially burdensome. I pay 15 bucks an hour, which it's not a whole lot here in LA. Sure. So he was just surviving off of that. And then just figured it out. And it was like in the beginning, Xactimate certainly was not easy. It's some of the glitches that we have in the software. It's not always the most intuitive software. And he's used to CAD and whatever. Oh, nice things. Nice things, right? (laughs) It was sometimes it was just a drudgery to, to figure it all out, but he did. Are you ready to elevate your career as an independent insurance adjuster? Visit adjuster-talk.com to download our exclusive guide, Five Ways to Improve Your Independent Adjusting Career. This essential resource contains insights and tips to enhance your professional journey. And remember, a polished presentation at a claim isn't just about knowledge. It's also about gear and attire. Royal Adjusting Service supports you in every way, ensuring you make the best impression every time. Don't wait to take your career to the next level. Head to adjuster-talk.com today and start transforming your future. Do you remember when you were training him or when you thought, when you called yourself training him, what some of his sticking points were, like where he was challenged more at than other areas? In the beginning, it's just straight up 
knowing what line items to use. You're sitting there in a house and you realize, okay, it looks like we're going to have to take up this laminate floor. And now after that, thinking about, okay, then I guess I need to take those baseboards out too. So what's the line item for baseboards? Or I don't know, have to replace this tile floor and you know, a PA is beating you over the head with it's a diagonally installed tiled floor. Like, what a matter for that? And then you're wondering in your mind, is this just like a PA trick or am I supposed <laughs> You're trying to figure out, like, I can't remember what the guideline says. So you're just trying to put it all together as you go. So the whole thing about figuring out what line items we're using and say, it like drywall, there's that new line item that, that I see all the time, which is that dry patch J which is joining new and old drywall together, which did not used to exist. And now I see in estimates all the time, I use that myself. But like, how in the heck are you supposed to know that besides adding drywall by the square foot, you're also supposed to add this another line item for joining a new and old drywall together? You just wouldn't. So you wouldn't. No, no. And and you just, you just, I don't know, learn that by looking at somebody else's, somebody else's estimate or whatever. So that was one thing, but then also just the workflow. That's a sticking point. You go to your claim info and your parameters or whatever, and you see a million boxes in there. And which, like, am I supposed to depreciate taxes? Am I supposed to depreciate labor? Like, how do I know? And just, you know, when you're- Those are intimidating things at first. No, absolutely. And the problem is it's not, those. none of that stuff is difficult. It's just that you don't know. And then you have this, gnawing feeling like maybe I shouldn't know this or maybe this seems like too small of a thing to ask for help. And that's where I think a lot of people get stumbled. And I'm just thinking of some of the guys that checked out of the storm early from Harvey. It was probably a lot of those just silly, small things that you just got overwhelmed by. And when you're tired and I don't know if I'm supposed to ask for help. But I, that- if that happens again or when it happens again, Anzi, I think I'm going to teach it differently. I think I'm going to teach it where there are things you worry about one time that we just need to get through, like setting up settings. Yeah. And then things that you're going to be doing daily. And these five things should be occurring daily. That way people know how to prioritize. I I think I'm definitely going to teach my next apprentice very differently. So Matt was a little bit of a, the guinea pig on that. But I think my next guy or gal, I'm going to have them like, here, just for the next week, you're going you're gonna to be just labeling photos. And then let's just get good at labeling photos for a week. And then next week, let's add on sketching. Again, neither one of those is a difficult task. It's just a matter of like when you haven't done it and you're not good at it. And there are so many things you're trying, so many balls you're trying to keep in the air. You just get overwhelmed with it. And you don't do a, really a good job with any of it completely agree there i guess it'd be the same as learning golf from a golf pro or just going out and buying a bag and going to the driving range man that what a great story i do need to catch up with him then it's matthew say his last name again matt levich levich matt levich yeah you definitely got to check out matt levich i'm writing it down right now we're gonna give him an interview and let him tell his story yeah and then uh, ozzy so we've caught up to who you are and where you're at and how you got there. I want to go back to this intro here. What is this that you were deported? Do you have time to tell that story? <laughs> or the desire, maybe? Sure. No, that's a pretty funny story. It's I missed a hot my own topic, wedding. I think. I, it, it's a hot topic, isn't it? I missed my own wedding, dude. Oh, come on. Yes, sir. 
how that happened now. I miss, I met my wife in New Zealand. I was teaching there at a college and her siblings were my, were our students. This sounds and, like a fairy tale. Are you making I know, this right? up? Yeah. There's <laughs> 25 so, million people in land of Mordor. That's where Lord of the Rings was, was and all that. It was, it was beautiful amazing. from the internet. I did so much bungee jumping over there and so much trail running and all that great stuff. Such a great country. One of the countries that I lived in. So yeah. anyway, one I- One of the I, seven, right? One of the no, seven. I'm sorry. Yeah, one of the seven and one of the 35 you've traveled to. Okay, very yep. good. Catching up, meet a beautiful girl in New Zealand. Yep. So we start talking over in New Zealand. She's in- She's from the U.S., so she's this guy's from Finland. I don't really have time to fall in love with this dude. She kind of gave him the cold, me the cold shoulder. Afterwards, I try to email her. She emails me back for a little bit, then says at some point, "Sorry, I'm Man, on a like tour." Persistent so far. You are you're cut out for this. She's a she's a musician, so she was on tours. So she just throws it out there. Hey. I'm going to be touring in Europe, so why don't you, if you're close by anywhere, come and check out one of my shows. Obviously not thinking that I would ever show up, but I did. In Austria, beautiful castle where she was playing, and I came over under the pretext that I had to come meet her brother, who is her drummer. We met there, and through different circumstances, I didn't get to talk to her that much. But then she sent me a Facebook message and says, hey, nice to see you. Too bad we didn't get to talk that much. And I said, yeah, maybe we should Skype one of these days. And she goes, no, I give you the wrong impression. <laughs> so at this point, I'm like, what is the guy supposed to do here? So at that point, I'm like, okay, I guess I went the distance. I tried my best. Uh, so far, it sounds like you've given a great effort. I've given a great effort, but it was not enough. So I let it go and Finally, six months later, she gets back to me, and she's now off the tour. She's so, got so was she on your mind during the whole time, or no? I, I, or were you at this on? point, I'm like, I'm done with this chick. Okay, that didn't work out. But apparently, that was something that kept still kept bugging her. So then, finally, her mom six months later, just her mom said, "Like, why don't you why don't you email this dude? Sounds like you just keep bringing him up." So she emails me, we start talking again. We decide, okay, we're together now. I come to California, we're dating, we fall in love. We're in this across the world relationship, so we've got to make some moves here. So I express the intention that I want to marry you, and uh, but we should go meet my parents first, meet my family back in Finland. But then she gets diagnosed with cancer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so she has to stay back in the U.S., I fly back to Finland, wrap up my master's degree, and I put years worth of studies in three and a half months. She stays back in California. She's taking care of her cancer all naturally. She decides to cope the all natural route, which, by the way, today she's cancer free, which is really amazing. That is and, amazing news. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Party. Yeah. And we rarely even think about it, to be honest. Yeah, it was amazing. She never did any chemo or uh, radiation. Man, I'm almost scared to say that on the air. I know FDA is going to shut you down, dude. <laughs> but yeah, like still in our wedding photo, you can see her earlobe is pushed by a tumor behind behind her ear. And this one... So you did make it to the wedding. I did at one point. At one point, I didn't make it to the wedding. Then. So anyways, going back and forth on the timeline here. Finally, 
I'm in Finland. She comes over. We have a great time in Finland. We meet. She meets my family. We get engaged the last day that she's in the country, and she flies back home. So the next time we meet is in jail. In jail at the ice. That word ice right now. That's a big word right now. I was oh, there. super big I, word. I, I was there, downtown L.A. And the uh, I can't the, even picture you get, get mixed up with this at all. <laughs> it's it's a funny thing, man. So we had an immigration consultant, somebody who told us that, hey, come in the country. And as a tourist, we, can, we have a visa waiver program for Finnish people. Come over here, get married, and do the paperwork. You're good to go. Turns out that's not the way to do it. <laughs> oh, that's so bad advice. Find out the hard way. So we have a wedding day and everything. And I'm just following the idea. And I'm not like, Say, look, when I'm coming to the country, I say, hey, I'm just coming here to hang out with my friends and we're going to do some road tripping and whatnot. And I don't know what it is that puts up a red flag at this point. So they asked me to come to the second questioning. And then in the second, they go through all my stuff. So they come across my journal, which was written in English, which it could have been written in Finnish, which is my first language, but I was writing it as a wedding present to Chelsea. So they go through and Pretty clear that there's some marital intentions here. So the lady says, okay, I see. Are you getting married? And I say, yes. And she says, okay, I see that. I see what's going on here. I, it seems like an honest mistake to me, but I can't let you in the country. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> so I'm like thinking, oh, my goodness. And you can imagine Chelsea just bawling her eyes out at the airport floor. I'm like, where is the guy? Oh, goodness. And finally she gets his phone call and I said, hey, babe, I don't have a whole lot of time. They pick me up at the border. Um, they're keeping me here. I don't know if I'm going to get through. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's it, basically. So she goes online and she goes figure out, okay, so if you're coming in the country, can't get in, like, where do they take you? So she comes up with some random website online where it says yeah just go downtown la there's some place called dock 18 and it sounds so, like some 007 yeah, stuff she man. goes there in the middle of the night yeah. and knocks on this metal door somewhere and this person comes out for a cigarette break and tells her that i can't say whether he's here or not but come here in the morning maybe he's here oh my goodness man. So she does like situation i know right so she does come and I'm at this cell and you can choose in these cells, you can choose whether you want to sleep on the concrete or on the steel bench while the lights are on. And if you want to take a piss, you go behind this little booth where it's like maybe four foot high wall. So you have a little bit of privacy, but not a whole lot. And then you get to eat your soggy Oreos and Gross. jelly sandwich. And I'm out of my mind at this point. I'm jet lagged and everything. And there are a couple other guys who are, being deported at the same time. So I'm just telling them riddles just to keep all of us occupied. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody comes up and totally butchers my name, which is not untypical. And I can't, I don't even realize they're talking to me until a little bit later. And they say, Hey, come up, come with me. So I see, I go to this room. It's like in any, all those movies where it's like the glass and the phones and everything. And they say, you have 10 minutes. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I see Chelsea there. And she's like freaking out that, oh, you're here. And I say, oh, you're here. So we're doing that whole act of holding hands through the glass and we're crying and laughing because we don't know what we should do. And it's like this whole mayhem. This is ridiculous. 
I know, right? <laughs> so did they load you up on an airplane? Actually, they, they bought the ticket on my card, which I'm really glad they did. Because back in, for, and they sent me back to Finland, whatever. Which is good for me because down the line in my application, when I had to ap- apply for my fiancé visa, it had it, it said, have you ever been sent out of United States on United States dime? And I said, no, <laughs> I have not. And so never, that was never a problem when I finally got my fiancé visa and just showed up in the country because I didn't want to put Chelsea through the same expectations. So I just showed up at a, at a beach in the middle of the night had a picnic set up for her, and she thought I was a homeless person. <laughs> I guess so, man. So let me ask you this. Did you have any other problems like that in the 35 other countries, or 34 other countries? Or is that just, is this a bad one? No, I, I never had, I, I never had similar problems in any, That's any of the other countries now. That is crazy, crazy talk. Auntie, yeah. your story, your great story about getting deported, it took us to the end of our show. We don't have any time left. Oh, man. I was going to give you a little pop quiz. have to go for episode four another nine or 12 months from now. That sounds good to me. Let me give you a pop quiz right now. Hit me. All right. Do you guys do much composition shingles? Is there much many houses out there with composition shingles? Yeah. Most of them. All right. You get a house with five tabs missing, one Mm -hmm. on each slope and an extra one on the ridge, and it's installed with staples. What are you doing? Stall with staples, huh? I have, I never, I've actually don't come across that very often. Let me ask, I'll probably do this. I would ask, I'll call and ask you, is, if it's stapled down, is that considered unrepairable at that point? Yeah, it's real interesting. And I would say that's a good question. I'm glad you called. Yeah, you try- that's what I do if I don't know, because that's my first consideration is whether it's considered repairable or not. And if I don't know, I'll ask. Yeah, I actually learned that one the hard way, the rule, but the rule is you're replacing the entire roof if there's one on each slope because they're impossible to repair. The problem with the staple is, is it opens up and pulls out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when it does that, the zipper starts where they just... Yeah, I could definitely see that. So the point being is that if, if I have a shingle missing on a given slope and it's not repairable, then I have to give them the whole slope. And if we're giving... If we have to give them every slope, we're basically end up replacing the whole roof. In this circumstance where we, yeah, where we installed it with staples, which is no longer a practice that is endorsed by any of the manufacturers. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes sense. I can counter that probably the smallest thing for which I find three, three tab shingle roofs getting replaced is if it's a 20 year shingle. Cause I don't think 20 year shingles are being manufactured anywhere anymore. And in California, at least. They consider that a reasonable uniform appearance thing at that point, a lot like in kind and quality. So for a single 20-year shingle, a three-tap shingle, you end up replacing the whole thing. Yeah, that sounds like a possibility. I don't know the answer to the 20 and 25-year wrestling match. It's been going on for as long as I've been adjusting. Where sometimes, Oh, really? Yeah. For, <laughs> at least that's the specification with the carrier at the moment. And I think that the shingle manufacturers are in on it because, man, you'll see the 20-year stuff on the rack for a couple of years, then you'll see it change. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been in the business enough to have noticed that. Yeah, but yeah. and then it's 20, it'll be 25 the next year. Same thing with tiles. They definitely do it on purpose on tiles. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally get it. And there's really absolutely no incentive to, to not do it. No, I just think about this. They're basically the Ferrari of roofs as far as how they look from the street level. 
if you were a manufacturer of tiles, you would want your styles to stay up to date and have little changes and actually have some benefit over mm. having a tile that looks the same as the mission tiles from 25 years ago. That's just my take. But, and of course, it, it man, does it ever feed them a ton of money whenever? Uh, oh, yeah. A good oh, actually, come, I was actually talking about floor tiles or wall tiles. Was, yeah, actually, oh, yeah. I did not realize that, that. Yeah, I guess that would apply for your roof tiles too. We deal with the boneyards and the roof tile issue all the time in the Southwest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that, for one, I don't see any damage to tile roofs ever here because, unless it's a fire claim. But that's yeah. easy. It's either is it damaged or is it not on a fire claim? Yeah, no. Yeah. That, that, that's very straightforward. And most of if we, if it's on a fire claim, we're probably tearing out the whole roof. If it's uh, depending on what kind of framing we got, who got to replace any of the framing, then the whole roof is coming off anyway. All right, Anzi, I appreciate you being a guest of the show as always. And man, what an incredible and fun story. What we're going to do now is touch base with your protege, Matt Levich. I'm going to get a hold of him next and let everyone hear his story about how he got into the amazing world of independent adjusting and undoubtedly a super niche. Thank you for tuning into Adjuster Talk. If you're inspired to join the ranks of skilled independent adjusters or an insurance agency looking for top-notch claims handling, your next step is clear. Reach out to Jason at Royal Adjusting Services. We're adjusting claims and setting new standards for customer satisfaction and efficiency. Join us in our mission to deliver exceptional service in every claim, every time. Contact Jason today at royaladjustingservices.com and discover how you can be part of the royal difference. Your journey in claims excellence starts here.